0: Welcome to Who Watches the Watchmen, a weekly discussion podcast on the HBO series Watchmen, my name is Derek Wong. And I'm Jeff Zhang.
1: Today, we're taking a look at the seventh episode of the show titled An Almost Religious Awe. The episode is directed by David Semmel and written by Stacy Osekafor and Claire Kieschel. Stacy Osekafor is an Emmy-nominated writer, and she's primarily known for her work on the Hulu comedy, Pen15. Have you ever watched that show?
0: No. It sounds really familiar, but I don't... I think i've seen it
1: yeah it's like a teen comedy type it's, it's pretty funny I, I watched it with my wife and it's pretty well written and she was nominated for an emmy for that so it was pretty good and uh claire Kieschel, she's actually a playwright and a writer whose tv work before Watchmen includes the netflix series the oa i don't know if you've watched that but
0: uh, i know what it is but i've not watched it
1: so interestingly enough this is the first episode that isn't co-written by series creator damon lindelof And I think the only one for the first season where he hasn't written the the script for, or at least co-written it.
0: Oh, I didn't even notice that.
1: It's the duo of uh, Stacey and Claire that wrote this and not Damon. I'm sure it's like a big collaborative effort with like the writers. Yeah. But the credit goes to these two. I watched this live at 9 p.m. New York time. And after the show ended, I had like around half an hour to digest what I'd just seen. And at around 10.30, I went on Twitter to make a little post.
0: That's your mistake.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. I think I do this almost every week. Since there's always a pretty big reveal on the show every episode and I like to talk about it, I don't have that many followers. And most of the time, I'm just like spewing my nonsense into the ether. Mm -hmm. But this one tweet kind of blew up. I think like as of right now, it's at like 2,600 likes or 300 retweets or something. I don't really care about any of that stuff, but... Apparently, I got a lot of angry DMs and emails saying that I spoiled the episode, which I think is kind of funny, right? But I'm not really sorry that I posted this tweet. <laughs> like, like, listen, Watchmen is a show on HBO. It's on at the same time, on the same day, every single week. And like, on Twitter, I just like to
0: discuss things as they're happening. It's really what the platform is for, right? I mean, um, Twitter is about, it's partially about getting there first, you know? Partly yeah, it's about being exactly. part of the conversation.
1: I think it's, like, one thing to post, like, a huge spoiler on my blog or a news site, but this is just Twitter. Like, first of all, an hour and a half is plenty of time as a buffer between, like, the end of the episode and me joining the discussion, right? And second of all, if you haven't seen the episode and you're on Twitter at the same time, like, and you're searching the Watchmen hashtag, I don't know really what to say to you. Like, congratulations, you played yourself. (laughs) Uh, Some people are like, well, the tweet's popular and it just showed up on my timeline so that's what people are saying but like my response is that you shouldn't even be on twitter if you care about this show right like the spoilers are going to be everywhere you know um and you know people are going
0: to be talking about it for example i was last night i didn't get to see the episode right at the premiere time i, I was a little bit delayed so i purposely didn't right, right stay I-, I stayed away from twitter stayed away from any of my sites that i normally like to visit i made sure not to look at anything before i watched the episode cuz right. i'm very i'm very spoiled verse like i i hate spoilers yeah so... yeah i do I, I do don't, as well i don't blame other people for spoiling things things for me unless uh unless they you know come at me with it but at the same time i try my best to stay away from it on my own
1: yeah i think like it's different for movies too because not everyone has the same access to like a theater and like they're not all going at the same time but like i think tv is different i think you just need to be Cognizant that people are going to be wanting to talk about this episode, and because this episode has such a big reveal. So, spoiler warning, (laughs) I guess (laughs) if you haven't seen the episode, we're about to spoil it right now. You should go see it and then come back. I think that goes to every episode that we do. So, the big reveal this episode is that Cal, Angela's husband, is Dr. Manhattan. (laughs) What did you think of this reveal?
0: I not. Entirely surprised, uh-huh. only because we re- I realized Cal was one of the big mysteries still left. Yeah, one of the big question
1: marks, right? Yeah,
0: because they've been hinting a lot in the last couple weeks about his accident, and I've, I've been noticing the show has been answering more questions than asking them lately. So, uh-huh. especially because right at the beginning of the episode, it's start, and we'll get into it. Starts with the whole Doctor Manhattan thing, so right. I think. This show has basically showed its hand, right? It's like, okay, this is kind of about Doctor Manhattan. So I was expecting mm-hmm. some kind of Doctor Manhattan reveal, right? And then halfway through the episode, when they when they were mentioning how like Cal like lost all his memory, I'm like, okay, so it's focused on Cal, right? I'm pretty sure it's gonna be Cal mm-hmm. that's revealed, and it was. But I mean, before this episode, I did not see oh, this man. coming, right? But as the episode rolled on, I was like, okay. I think I know where this is going. And it it, it led to where I thought it was going. Um,
1: I think I was a little more cognizant of this reveal. Because it's the one reveal that's kind of been floating around, I guess, like Reddit and like other forums for a while. Like rumors. Yeah, but I didn't want to mention it too much on the podcast because it just seemed like such a big twist. But I think if it actually turned out to be true, which it was.
0: People would be mad at you because you spoiled it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> right, especially especially if you're doing it like weeks in advance, then I can see why you're you're mad. Even even if it's like a theory, and then it turned out to be true, because you're kind of like knocking the wind out of the big reveal. And some people really like to be surprised by things like this. So, I
0: mean, same thing happened for me on like Westworld, right? Like you, oh. I, read, I, I deep dived into a lot of the Reddit and a lot of the theories, and that really took out the wind from that first season's big oh, reveal. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I um, understand that notion. So I guess I'm glad I didn't really see it before this episode. Yeah. I think I think we mentioned it just once before
1: on the show when it was the scene of Cal explaining the afterlife to his kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe he's Dr. Manhattan. But we totally just glossed over it and we made like one mention of it and we moved on. Yeah. Right? So I don't think that stuck in anyone's mind. But now if you look back, like the clues are everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. That he's dr manhattan i initially thought like listening to the series i thought it was kind of dumb but i think the way they executed it on the show which mm-hmm. we'll get into later i think it works pretty well i'm I'm still not like 100 percent convinced but i'm sure we'll see more of this
0: next yeah we'll, we'll we'll get into it a little bit later because i do have yeah. some kind of comments or some kind of questions that i'd like to pose to you <laughs> so like some of the hints i
1: think just like the caginess in general of Cal's situation is suspicious from the start, right? You have like yeah, his, like right. like you mentioned, his mysterious accident. And then mm-hmm. he's very aloof to approach the subject of the afterlife with his kids, like I mentioned before. And they never answered the question of what really happened to him during the white knight attacks too, right? Yeah. That's like another hole in the story. But like you also have these like cute references that overtly point in the same direction of which there are, like, tons as well, right? So my tweet that blew (laughs) the lid off my Twitter was the one that mentioned that Dan Dryberg's blue dildo, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, gift to Lori, was called Excalibur. It was labeled Excalibur on the bottom, right? And Dr. Manhattan's, he's Lori's ex, and his name is Cal Abar, so, like, ex-Cal Abar. It's a little (laughs) cute little... Yeah, play play on words. Words, right? yeah yeah pretty clever and then like you also have angela's sister knight persona who clearly has this nun vibe going for her like as laurie yes. pointed out in their car ride and in practice nuns are supposed to renounce their right to marry as they're married to god so like that's another hint because oh. like angela's married to a god really right and then if you're talking about, like, real-life stuff and you're brushed up on your, like, black exploitation film history, there's a 1977 film called A-Bar, the first black Superman. <laughs> so <laughs> that one's pretty self-explanatory, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's just so many of these deep hits. dives.
0: Yeah. Well, also, in this show, he's, like, there are times when, you know, Angela's just trying to argue with him, and he's just very calm yeah. collected just like you know Doctor Manhattan was with with Laurie in right, right. in the comics. So yeah, there are definitely right. a ton of hints, yeah. 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 I mean, let's just get right into the episode, shall we? Um, show kind of starts with this black and white video <laughs> and then we realize it's a video about John Osterman, Doctor Manhattan. So, you know, we've been seeing this kind of character mentioned before throughout the series, but this is kind of we'll call it a recap, right? It's uh it's something for <laughs> maybe audiences that haven't seen Watchmen or read the comics. And this is kind of a, a summarization of the character of Dr. Manhattan. Right. You know, he's a son of the clockmaker who he was called like the first Superman. Right. And he, he caused cancer in certain people. Right. He, they talked about supposedly <laughs> uh, supposedly causing cancer in people. You know, they talk about his origins and, you know, John Osterman stepping into the intrinsic field generator that caused him to become Dr. Manhattan. Right. It talks mm-hmm. about the products that have come from him, right? Because And we've seen it, that he he helped basically advance technology. Yeah, with his lithium-powered devices. And those have been converted to watches and yeah. you know, and engines for cars. And then we get to see that really cool segment, right, where he's, like, walking through Vietnam, giant. Yeah, and like the giant four. And that's yeah. straight from the comics, right? There's this really cool cell in the comics where it's just him, like, giant, and he's walking through Vietnam and blowing things up, exactly kind of what we see in the... Yeah, you never see his face yeah, in the... Yeah, which an interesting kind of shot. Right? The, they, you Israel. only see his lower half. Yeah. And, or like his giant hand. Yeah, yeah. And he's just blowing <laughs> things up. Yeah. And then um, it talks about, you know, him retreating to Mars. And that's also from the comics, right? At the end of the, you know, once they've all decided to keep Adrian secret, he decides that he's just going to retreat to Mars. He's going to go to Mars and try to start life. And then we realize this video is basically just being played in this dr manhattan standee right inside of a video store yeah it was inside yeah video store. it was a video store yeah we're in this video store and then it kind of focuses on these cassettes on this turnstile, and we see some interesting mm-hmm. videos we see a you know the, the raunchy pistol an interesting one is we see one called the silk swingers yeah so i think that's like a reference to The first
1: Silk Spectre. It's like one of those exploitation videos. The one that I was interested in the most was there were two videos. One was called Trunky the Brave Little Elephant. Did you notice this one? Oh, no. And there was another one that was named Tusky the Brave Little Elephant. So there was two of them. Which the elephant becomes this big thing later. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like a big reference to the elephant heavy motif of Lady True and her company. Yeah. Specifically the scene we'll see later in this episode. But another thing that I thought of like immediately was the psychological phenomenon known as like the Mandela effect. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? Like collective misremembering? The Bernstein bears Um, right? or
0: the Bernstein bears or whatever.
1: Yeah. So this immediately reminded me of the Mandela effect, right? Because there's like two versions of this little elephant book. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the Berenstain Bears yeah. versus Berenstain Bears. So for those of you who don't know what the Mandela Effect, it's named after the fact that a large portion of the population that remembers that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 1980s, when in reality he actually died in 2013. Mm-hmm. But it's like this mass misremembering of like a fact that most people should know or like, and like this other example is The book the berenstein bears like i always thought it was the berenstein bears Uh i always thought of it that way but it's actually the berenstain bears it's so weird yeah yeah (laughs) i think a lot of people think there's a movie starring sinbad as a genie called shazam (laughs) but there's no such movie the real movie is called kazam and it stars shack that's like another example mm-hmm. of, of the Mandela effect. Like we could go on. We can keep,
0: we keep going. going. We can keep forever, going. But but yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, but
0: and, I thought, I thought though those two books were pretty interesting. So. And then uh, we see, you know, the, I think the one that they want us to, the, the cassette that they want us to focus on is the Sister Night cassette, right? Yeah. The Sister Night one. Uh, we see this uh, young little girl kind of pull this one from the cassette uh, turnstile and, and takes it to the Vietnamese man behind the counter, right? So he I guess he's the store owner. And uh-huh. at this point, I've I'm starting to guess, you know, this is probably young Angela. You know, this you right. know, she grew up in Vietnam, so we're probably in Vietnam. That gets basically proven pretty quickly here because she basically buys this tape and the guy's like, you know, they're not gonna let you watch this, right? Yeah. <laughs> but she still takes it and then you know, she takes it out of the store and she walks through this it looks like this festival right later it was called i think the vvn festival celebrating dr manhattan is that the idea is that with your vibe that you're getting
1: yeah i mean i'm assuming the vvn is just a celebration of the american victory
0: yeah in vietnam right because yeah. uh, we see american soldiers so, out But then clearly there's a lot of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, so I think this goes
1: into the title of the episode, Uh right? An Almost Religious Awe, right? Which is a line from the comics where this is like the Viet Cong where they surrender to the Americans, but they do it in person to Dr. Dr. Manhattan Manhattan. Mm -hmm. as like a sort of reverence, I guess, because he's so godlike, Mm -hmm. right? But there are also like a lot of mixed feelings as we'll see later in this scene right i think there's a lot of iconography there's a mixed message of whether it's in favor of him or not
0: yeah i mean that's why i think in contrast to what happens later in the scene like it seems like the people Uh are celebrating it and then there's definitely opposition to it but yeah let's move on so little girl's walking through the streets and we see this puppet marionette Uh reenactment of the scene we just saw right giant dr manhattan attacking Uh Cong soldiers And then we see this little girl bring this tape to her parents. It's exactly what the store owner said. You know, the parents don't want her to watch this tape. The man, I think the mom is more okay with it, but the dad's
1: like, no, right? Yeah, yeah, um, because the mom's like, oh, that's cute or whatever. But I I think they're
0: a united front and basically, you know, don't allow her to keep this tape so that she can watch it. The man in uniform Mm -hmm. specifically does say, people who wear masks are dangerous, and then she says the word Angela. So this is confirming what I thought. This is Angela. The man says, you know, we should be scared of them, they're hiding something, and then we see the flashes too. The previous episode of Will. How did you like these flashes in this episode? Why don't you recap the rest of the scene? Because I got something to say. Okay. That includes what happens to Angela's parents here. Okay, okay. Uh, So, uh, yeah, yeah, Angela's parents basically tell her, you know, let's return the tape. So she starts walking back to the store owner to return it. And then Uh she stops back at that puppet reenactment. And then we see flashes of uh, looks like Tulsa 21. And then we see a man on a bike come by and he stops in front of the man doing the marionette and the guy with the puppets nods at him. He uh, he he take he kind of puts his backpack on and we see him just start riding away and he mm-hmm. rides right towards Angela's parents and it looks like American soldiers in a Humvee or some kind of truck. Yeah, jumps, I think it's like a Humvee. Yeah, yeah. he jumps right in. And says "death to the invaders," and it explodes, killing them and Angela's parents. So this is how mm-hmm. Angela's parents died, and how she became mm-hmm. an orphan in Vietnam. Right. Yeah. And
1: then while they're showing this suicide bombing, um, it cuts to a lot of scenes from Tulsa Twenty-One mm-hmm. from like Will's memories. Mm-hmm. So it's like these terrorists and like the KKK. I thought the messaging in this opening scene was a bit confusing and muddled mm-hmm. we have this flashback scene with the bombing and it's intercut with the flashes of tulsa 21 right and it looks like it's equating these terrorists uh with the kkk because when it focuses on them it also focuses to like the clan members in tulsa and like they're shooting innocent black people but like these two factions are like diametrically opposed to each other right according to like the themes of the show because the show is clearly trying to say something about the trauma that Will and his family suffered at the hands of these racists during the massacre.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's also trying to say something about the fictional colonization of Vietnam in this universe. And these terrorists clearly aren't portrayed as heroes of any sort, but they are fighting the Western encroachment, right? So, yeah. like, what's the show trying to say? I think it's, I think this might be the first instance where I'm really questioning the show's messaging. Mm-hmm. I, So I actually reached out to the writers of the episode since they're both on Twitter. I just want to see like what their take is and like if they have an answer for this. I'm a little confused, right? Mm -hmm. I think if they have an answer, they'll share them. Um, I'm also curious to see if this was like a decision made in the writer's room or like if it was a decision made in the editing bay when they were cutting the episode together, right? Do you see what I'm saying, though? Yes. It's it's kind of weird to equate these two different revolutionary yeah, to do, yeah. terrorists with the kkk right because
0: you can almost uh, i mean not saying that i side with the Viet Cong, but you can understand like there's these invaders right to their land and it's something to fight for or fight against right you can kind of see their side but yeah to equate them to kkk then you're saying well they're not right. who, who they're just they're just terrible racists yeah. right you um, shouldn't be so this their side
1: at all Right. So this messaging was a little weird. I don't know. I don't know what it was supposed to signify.
0: Uh, Yeah. But overall, I was a little, I mean, just from a storytelling standpoint, I was a little confused with the use of the flashes in this episode. Like I understood it in LG's episode as flashes of his memory real quick that he was uh, remembering. And it worked really well in last week's episode right where with the nostalgia with the nostalgia and we see flashes of 21 and like you mentioned color versus black and white so it all had a purpose this episode i was very confused is young angela seeing these or no i don't believe so i think it's angela in the present day yeah but so she's seeing her own memory of herself and then also seeing the flashes of 21
1: i believe so because they're saying that it's a mix of Will and her memory. It's still memory. a mix of Will and her memory. And Will was present during Tulsa twenty one, right? Yeah. He was just a little He's kid. He was a little kid.
0: I think at this point, this is a little too much hand holding, I think, where we've seen these flashes of Tulsa twenty one a lot, and we just saw this whole episode with Will last week. I think they could have yeah little... I'm not
1: sure if this scene needed that. well i just uh, think that
0: they use it a lot in this episode and i think overall this episode could have been more reserved with the use of the flashes i guess is my opinion
1: i think this instance bothered me more yeah. uh than when they flashed to like will as hooded justice we'll right? get into another uh, example
0: that i think yeah, we'll that it. didn't okay. work for me really well but we'll look okay. at that okay. until right. later like i said the scene ends with her parents dying and then oh and then she kind of gets blown back. Falling. Yeah, and she gets blown
1: back and then the explosion smash cuts to Angela waking up on the floor right. next to her bed, right? She fell out of bed. Um and we realize that she's in the care of Lady True and it seems like she's been in and out of consciousness and these mixed memories of hers and Wills. She's been in and out of them at least 5 times, right? Mm-hmm. Because she asks Lady True what happened and Lady True tells her this is the fifth time. She's asked what happened. she says that she's happy to go through it again, and she tells Angela that her memory is a bit uh a bit broken mm-hmm. right um, We also find out that it was Lori who called Lady True to save Angela's life because it was Lady True's drug that Angela overdosed on yeah right and that's
0: one of our questions from last week uh-huh yeah. right
1: how did she get to the uh millennium clock yeah. right and Angela has a strange device connected to her arm with a tube coming out of it that leads to an unknown location and lady true says that it's her treatment and she injects her with something called the tutorial (laughs) injection. um i guess these are like manufactured quote-unquote memories that tell the person how the treatment works um and i thought just the whole spiel that this manufactured memory goes is is pretty funny so like it says, so you've taken someone else's nostalgia. Don't panic. We can help. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing pneumodialysis and treatment by f- true pharmaceuticals. At this moment, foreign memories have invaded your brain, consolidating into your neural networks, clogging existing pathways, and threatening higher cognitive function. Um, and then it says, it saturates the brain with cerebrospinal fluid provided by a natural host and literally flushes the nostalgia from the cortex uh it says the procedure is delicate and somewhat tedious so consider keeping yourself occupied by meditating or reading a good book <laughs> uh, thank you for trusting true pharmaceuticals with your most precious of possessions your mind goodbye and have a pleasant return to your consciousness so i thought it was pretty funny and then uh it cuts back, and Lady True's like, oh, was that informative? And Angela says, like, in true Angela fashion, don't ever fucking do that to me <laughs> again, right? Yeah. And Lady True's like, that's what she said the last time. So this is clearly not their first rodeo with this treatment. Right? Right. It's pretty funny. And Angela asks Lady True about the tube in her arm, and the natural host it supposedly connects to. They imply Will, her grandfather, but if you notice lady true never never confirms that it's will right she definitely slides her way like around answering this question and she just says that will had some very painful memories that they're coming out of angela now and she's also going to be experiencing like vivid memories of her own right Mm -hmm. and angela says she needs to talk to him but lady true says that that's pretty much like a terrible idea since (laughs) you spent the last few days being him she says, "You won't know where he ends and you begin," uh, which is a pretty clever little line, I think. Uh, and she also asks Angela what memory of her own knocked her out of her bed, and Angela lies to her, and she says it was her tenth birthday party and that her mom and dad gave pony. her a pony. So it's like it's clearly a lie, yeah. right? Um, it's like one of her snarky responses. And as it transitions to the next scene, we see that Angela's situated in a room that observes the base of like the millennium clock Mm -hmm. and a PA system states that there are only 12 hours left before the activation of the clock yeah so we're getting close uh close to the end game here right Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah what i found really interesting about this scene was one that that (laughs) tutorial treatment so it's like yeah is there a way to like learn while you sleep right like could this have been used in a more effective way of you you can actually like learn something while you're sleeping right like i feel like this this could have been a really useful drug like kind of like uh, the matrix where they upload like
1: skills and stuff but i think it's more like just reading something you're not like getting uploaded i don't know though because it's like a memory yeah so so it's like you you should be able to remember that like,
0: like a book while you're sleeping right like that was very interesting that So it cuts and then we see a car approaching the Millennium Clock and we find out it's Cal who's driving, right? And he drives up to Uh, Red Scare and Prior Jenny who are also waiting in their own car and he asks if she is still in there. And then Red Scare in his very Red Scare way (laughs) basically says, if she wasn't in there, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. He basically tells Cal to go home. Cal is trying to get True Industries to see his wife and the gate attendant gets a call and she starts grabbing what looks like this large ring and then places it on the floor. And we see that it forms this hologram of beyond. Right. Mm-hmm. And beyond says that this is, you know, really bad timing for him to come try to see Angela, because they're also trying to activate the millennium clock. Cal asks if she's okay. And beyond very nicely says, you know, absolutely. She's responding very well to the treatment. Um, Cal asks to talk to her. And then beyond says she cannot. And then, Cal screams at Red Scare and prior Jenny is like, where's Agent Blake? And this is where we smash cut and we go to a scene where Agent Blake's sitting in a car. She's listening to recordings of Angela. So this is something that comes from last week's PediaPedia articles, correct? Right. Where we learned Angela, while she was in her nostalgia trip, she was verbalizing a lot of it, even though she was knocked out. Right so she's kind right. of lying there and saying all these things while it was happening and that's right. the recordings that Laurie is listening to right Some of the interesting right. things that the recording is like you know I've joined the enemy the police in this city some other other people under the shoes and beware the cyclops and yeah all lines from the last yeah. episode right yeah. so she's just yeah. verbalizing all of yeah. it yeah. film projectors cyclops is using some kind of mesmerism and then yeah. you can hang yourself and then we hear agent Dale Peedee over the radio and he is at LG's house. So my prediction about him coming and saving LG, I guess, was totally false because LG did not need any saving whatsoever. <laughs> right. He came. He came, but but a little bit later. But
1: LG didn't need rescuing because yeah, we're all these seven members are
0: dead. Yeah, because we're we're in LG's bunker and he says that there are five members here that are all dead. And look like they all been shot in the head. Uh-huh. Like, except for one, and his mask has been taken right right and Lori asks where is mirror guy i love that she yes. still calls him mirror guy
1: yeah the guy just survived an attempt on his life you don't know where he is yeah. and she's still calling mirror him guy. Mirror guy.
0: and then pd says it's weird that he didn't call this in the hint is i think that he doesn't want anyone knowing what he's doing at the moment yeah well i mean i think the
1: implication is that He's infiltrated the 7K.
0: Yeah, I think that's where... Right, because
1: yeah. he took the mask and now he's infiltrated Cyclops or whatever. Yeah,
0: so my guess is next episode, this is just speculation on my own part. He's going to be the one maybe to release Lori. Yeah, or to rescue Lori. He's going to be we'll there with Angela and he's going to help Angela. It's, it's probably one of those two things. Yeah, either yeah.
1: way, because they're coming after... Angela and Cal, too. Exactly. We keep saying this, but we'll get to that <laughs> yeah. later. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, where I see the two possibilities of him reappearing uh-huh. in the next episode. And then Petey asks if um, he should call it in and, you know, Lori says no and just stay there. And then Lori looks out the window and she sees a, a female riding a horse. We find out that it is... Um, do you remember Judd's wife's first name? Jane. Jane, uh, Jane, Jane Crawford, Crawford, right? Is the woman who's riding the horse and They have a little bit of a conversation outside, but the scene quickly moves into the home. And Lori says that she knows who killed Judd. She tells Mm -hmm. her it's it's this person named Will Reeves and that Will is Angela Abar's grandfather. Jane basically says, well, Angela said she didn't have any family. And Mm -hmm. uh, Lori says, we all have family, just some of them we don't talk about. And I'm pretty sure this is kind of alluding to, I'm guessing maybe both her mother and father. I think more her more father. Her father, father mother. Yeah.
1: Like yeah. uh probably doesn't apply anymore because like she took
0: her she took yeah. his last name, she took his persona in a sense, but then she has Yeah, this line she was, about she's him. known
1: as the comedian yeah. for a while, right? But
0: then she still um, has this line about family not wanting to talk about them. So yeah, that was a little weird to me. I mean she's
1: entitled to have that opinion, right? She yeah. can work out her issues by taking his name, but she can still have a opinion that he was a shit father, right? Maybe, so yeah. yeah.
0: Jane asks, you know, why would Will want to kill her husband? And Lori says that Angela was ODing and that she talked a lot. So this is basically repeating what we just said about the PDPedia files, right? Right. And that she recorded all of this on a tape and she was listening to it. And then if she wanted to, Jane could listen to it too. And Lori reveals Will was hooded justice. And that uh-huh. it's, it's ironic that he was the man who inspired two generations of heroes, but he had to hide who he was. Right. Because, you know, white men in masks are heroes with black men in masks are scary. Yeah, that's what she yeah. said. And right? then Miss Crawford says, like, thank God times have changed. And I'm just like, no one believes you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely no one believes you at this moment. <laughs> Lori doesn't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> and then Lori says uh, Angela kept saying one word over and over. Which was Cyclops. Jane appears to not know what it means. And, you know, Lori says that it was a cult, that it was hot on mind control. And Mm -hmm. Jane's like, oh, mind control, you know, still pretending to not really know any of this. Yeah, she's playing dumb, I guess. And then Lori tells her that Will believed that Judd was part of the Cyclops conspiracy. And Jane asks Lori what she believes. And then this is like Laurie kind of giving her big monologue about her theory, right? Mm. She responds by saying that she wouldn't be doing her job if she didn't entertain the idea that maybe Judd was part of this kind of Cyclops idea. And that if he was, that means it makes her wonder about uh, his, friends. his friends, you yeah. know, the big one being Joe Keen. She says that mm-hmm. if 7K is Cyclops, basically by another name, and then that means Senator Joe Keen used them to kill a bunch of police so that he could put, you know, all the cops in mass. Pretty soon, no one could tell the difference between the good guys and the bad guys. Soon, right. everyone would be pledging loyalty to their new leader, President Joe. So yeah, this goes on to confirm what we said all the
1: way back in Lori's introductory episode, right? That when we were still suspicious of Joe and we didn't know that he was actually a racist or whatever but only from the pdpedia files right Mm -hmm. and this was exactly our theory this is what we were saying Mm -hmm. that he orchestrated the white knight just so that he could put the cops in masks right so that there would be no accountability so we've been pretty good with our theories i think
0: (laughs) we've been pretty accurate so there's a little bit of a, a A reveal in this scene, right? Where Jane was like, Well, that was the original idea. She says that's thinking small potatoes. So she doesn't even play coy with it, right? She's just like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. We, we were in on it the whole time, but your theory's a little wrong because, well, that was what right. we we're going to do. And now we're going to. Yeah, but now they have a grander plan. Grander plan, which yeah. we're, I guess we're going to learn about later. And Lori, yeah. Lori looks a little stunned, right? She was not expecting her to admit guilt. But then you see Jane pull out this kind of, like, remote. And she starts it's like to, a clicker. a yeah, clicker. Thing. And she starts kind of pushing buttons, and she's like, shit, it's, like, not working. But then she clicks one button, and then it kind of works because we see Laurie drop just a little bit. And then she clicks another button, yeah. and Laurie just drops through the floor. and there's, I guess the kind of trap door right in the living room.
1: I was a little surprised by this because Laurie is the one who's got, like, that hair trigger draw reflex she killed that guy at the funeral real fast the suicide bomber the woody suicide bomber but like she's just sitting there for like 10 seconds while jane's fumbling with this trap door remote so she must have not suspected her at all which is kind of dumb because she is the wife of Judd Crawford, yeah. right? So I had to suspend my disbelief a little bit with this one, I think. Well, yeah, there's also,
0: like, there's a point where she hits the button and she kind of falls. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she had enough time to try to at least try to get out the chair yeah. and she doesn't. Because you
1: know something's going yeah. on over there. You got to move, right? Yeah. But, but
0: then Jane, I guess that yeah, The scene ends with Jane calling someone and asking, oh, should we kill Lori? I don't know why they didn't kill Lori, right? Well, I keep her around. It's another
1: one of those things where it's like, oh, just keep her alive. But we'll find out. I guess (laughs) with the knife a little bit. Who knows? So the next scene, right? Mm -hmm. So it transitions back to Angela at True Industries, right? And the PA system now says it's only nine hours until the launch of the Millennium Clock. All right. This is pretty interesting. I don't know what it means, but it says all personnel designated green should report to the medical wing and have any remaining metal implants removed. Whatever that means. I don't know know what that means either. So they're clearly planning something big with this Millennium Clock launch, right? Mm -hmm. Angela's in her room, and then beyond Lady True's quote-unquote daughter, which is another reveal for this episode Mm -hmm. that comes later, uh, she comes in and she gives Angela some sort of, I don't know, some sort of baseline test, um, is very reminiscent of like a Rorschach
0: test. Um, well, it reminds so me another... of, you know, when Rorschach was captured in the comics, right? Right. And then his, right. his, his um, psychologist was basically asking him like, oh, what do you see in these cards? You know, it's like, yeah, like you said, a Rorschach yeah. test.
1: But this isn't like one where it tests like what you see from an abstract ink blot. Mm-hmm. It's like she holds up two cards and she asks Angela questions, right? And like, it's always a set of two cards. And like, in the first set, she asks Angela which man is more trustworthy? And there's like two cards. One has a picture of a man flying a kite. And the other one has a picture of a man giving candy to a kid. Right. And Angel says the candy man, because no one flies kites alone, alone, which is pretty funny. Um, And uh, she does this again. There's another set of cards. There's a woman being mugged and a woman standing on the ledge of a building. And Bianne asks, which woman looks more scared? And Angela says, the woman that's about to jump. And beyond asks, what makes her think that she's going to jump? And Angela says that there's no other reason for her to be on that ledge, right? The final set of cards are identical, and they're both cards of an angry, screaming woman. And Bianca asks Angela, which one is angrier? And Angela says that they're both the same, and that she's not sure what this has to do with her treatment. And, and Beyond's like, oh, nothing. It's just research for my dissertation. Which is funny. She's like, what, like 12 years old or something? Yeah. She says her dissertation is on the adaptive function of empathy and the role of rage suppression in social cohesion. So here we go again. Another tidbit that lends a lot of credence to your empathy bomb mm-hmm. theory, right? Which um, we'll talk about later. Working on. <laughs> this episode is very back-end heavy, I guess. Yeah. And that Lady True and Will are planning maybe to use like this mesmerism technology and the HGTVs, who knows, uh, that they said in the PDF files. I don't know. This is what you said earlier. Yes. So mm-hmm. I think this plays into that a little bit. And then Angela opens up a little bit about our family and that like her kids don't know that she's a cop and um, she hides it from them. And she says, for their protection especially since their birth parents were killed during the white night. Well, right?
0: Bianca says something very specific. She says she understands that she's not allowed to tell her children. So it's almost right. like, you know, it's probably because, you know, maybe kids can't keep a secret. Like it's part of the the rules, right? Of being a cop. Like you can tell your spouse, but maybe you're not allowed to tell your children. Right. Maybe that's part of the rules. Yeah. yeah. So it's maybe part of like a protocol yeah. that they're not allowed to tell
1: their children. Mm-hmm. And then Bian asks her this interesting question: If you don't want your kids to know you're a cop, then why are you a cop? Good question. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this triggers another memory trip for Angela, and it flashes back again to her childhood in
0: Vietnam. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Uh, so we see and right. So yeah. Uh, so we see Angela. She's with a bunch of other girls, I guess, at this home for girls, right, an orphanage. Right. And they're they're painting these little uh, uh, Doctor Manhattan dolls. And then we see this kind of Vietnamese lady, uh, I guess their caretaker or whoever runs this facility, grabs her by the ear and tells her to come with her. Outside, uh, waiting for her, is, is two police officers, basically telling her she's not in trouble, but they need her help. She asks Angela on VVN, you saw a man, right, doing a puppet show uh, that gave another man the backpack. And th- that was the man who, you know, rode the bike into the crowd. Then the police basically go to the backseat of their car and pulls this sack off of this guy's head and brings Angela to the backseat and asks like, is this the man who's putting on the puppet mm-hmm. show? She nods and says, you know, yes. And mm-hmm. then the male officer puts the sack back on his head and takes the man away, starts walking him away. The female officer tells Angela, you know, she was very brave and that now she can go back to the orphanage. And Angela asks, if she could listen. So it seems like Angela's very aware, I think of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think she's very raw about like, yeah, the death of her
1: parents. And she's aware that this man was like responsible. Right. Yeah. So,
0: and I think this female officer is like, Oh, she's smarter than I'm giving her credit for. And it kind of basically yeah. gives her her badge and tells her when you're grown up, you, you come find me. And mm-hmm. the the badge kind of triggers the memory of, Will's graduation. And then we also see Judd's badge on the ground with the blood on it, right? Yeah. So uh, this is kind of maybe where Angela decides that she wants to be a cop, I guess. Maybe this is right. the moment, right? And then we hear right. in the background a gunshot, right? Mm-hmm. And so that means the guy was executed, right? Which makes me think like this is technically supposed to be a state of the United States, the 51st state now. But yeah. It's still very much doesn't act like a thief? Because there's no due process. Yeah,
1: there's no no due process (laughs) for this guy. So this is reminiscent of a really famous photograph from the Vietnam War of uh, Wen Van Lem. You know that picture where he's like a Viet Cong member who's like summarily executed on the street? It's like the guy pointing the gun at his face like right before he shoots him. It's like that famous photograph. You know that one? I don't know that Uh, I've
0: seen the photograph.
1: Oh, okay. It's like one of the most famous images from vietnam oh, okay. or
0: whatever i think I'm, if, if i yeah, probably see if i probably see it to... i probably remember it, but i can't picture it in my head right now.
1: yeah yeah so i think that's supposed to be a reference to that yeah. Oh, okay yeah oh. um so like i think i have to note how great the actress that plays young angela mm-hmm. is she's really good uh her name is faith herman do you watch this is us no okay so she's like the the youngest daughter of the character randall okay um, so it's kind of interesting to see her play like two different roles here it was like one's like a family show and then on this one you got some guy getting executed yeah. right in front of her or right she doesn't He's see near her but still near her. yeah near <laughs> her, yeah yeah so that's some that's some range there, I guess. Well, um, you know, and she gets she, she
0: sees person. her parents blown up. That's also very sensitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Oh, the scene moves back into the orphanage. I guess it's at night, and that that same woman comes and tells you know all the girls to go to sleep. And then we see we uh-huh. we hear beyond say the line worrying about your kids, right? That's the line that she said earlier. And then we hear um, June saying, you aren't going to get you know, justice with the badge. And then we see you know, Angela kind of pull the badge from underneath her pillow. And we see her kind of set it next to the sister night VHS. So we know that she still has that VHS, right? Mm-hmm. And then Angela snaps back out of her memory and, and beyond asks, you know, whose memories was she experiencing now, hers or her grandfather's and, you know, Angela mm-hmm. says, mine. And Beyond's like, oh, that's progress. It means the treatment is working. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. And then mm-hmm. Beyond says, you know, she has dreams sometimes and they, they feel so real. You know, she says she's an old mm-hmm. woman and she says, I'm scared and it, it hurts. Uh, she asked Angela what it was like for her. And Angela responds that she says it hurts, too. And then we get this. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to explain the really cool kind of transition? transition? Yeah. Yeah. So...
1: It transitions into our weekly visit with uh, Adrian Veidt, Yes. right? And this is honestly one of the coolest transitions on the show. And the show is full of them, mm-hmm. right? So it transitions from this close-up of Angela's face to the interior ceiling of a church-type building where they're holding a trial for Adrian Veidt. And the geometry is, like, it's totally uncanny, right? There are windows that line up exactly with Angela's eyes. And mm-hmm. then the windows are like stained glass windows and the stained glass design like shows up in Angela's eyes first. And then it transitions. You kind of have to see it to like completely uh, understand it. Yeah. To, to completely understand it. But it's like a crazy transition. You know what? I'm actually thinking about like compiling a little video at the end of this season that's just like a
0: super cut of like all the transitions on this show i was gonna say we we could easily probably do like a a bonus episode or something like of our favorite transitions right? (laughs) (laughs) because there are yeah there's a lot of really cool ones
1: here we go our (laughs) weekly visit to to adrian veitland right Mm -hmm. so this week we're on Day 365 of his trial.
0: Very blatantly oh. one year later. <laughs> one year, right. Yeah.
1: Or as uh, as Mr. Phillips says, the people versus Adrian Veidt. Yep. The game warden, who we can now confirm is definitely another Mr. Phillips. He presides as a judge. And they even have a courtroom sketch artist, which I think... Who, who, are, you, who are you drawing that for? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is pretty hilarious. And... Crookshanks, she serves as prosecutor Mm -hmm. and she is like levying all the crimes against him in a closing argument. So this is the end of the trial, right? And it's interesting because they're putting him on trial, but they're all still referring to him as master.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Crookshanks says that from the moment we're pulled from the water until the moment that Ozymandias inevitably slaughters us, we are governed by one law imbued in us by our creator when he gifted us with life. So now it's confirmed that Adrian is definitely not their creator. I mean, he said that in one of the episodes. Yeah, that's our
0: assumption this whole time.
1: And now we can only assume that it's Dr. Manhattan. He's the only one who's ever mentioned that he wanted to create life, right? Mm -hmm. And Crookshanks mentions that the one law is thou shalt not leave. She also says that he's indisputably guilty of murder, and that even before he arrived on... Wherever he is, Europa, I guess, the the Jupiter moon where he's on right now. He was guilty of murdering other costumed adventurers as well as millions in New York. So they clearly know about his squid hoax and the fact that he murdered a bunch of uh other costume heroes, like the comedian, right? Yeah. And they have like this drawing of a squid as one of the exhibits. I guess it's one of their evidence exhibits. And
0: that drawing is straight from the comic.
1: Yeah, straight from the comics, yeah. Yeah, so she also says that his only plan on Europa was to escape by like whatever means necessary by killing countless Phillips and Crookshanks in attempt to break the one rule set by their creator that they were never to leave or escape. And I guess prosecutor Crookshanks says that they can either continue the cycle of violence or they can find him guilty. And mm-hmm. the warden asks if Vite has anything to say, <laughs> and all he does is <laughs> rip this huge fart. Yeah. Um, and you think the jury's going to be all the Phillips and Crookshanks at the trial, because like there's there's a ton of Crookshanks and uh, Phillips. They're they're like filling the gallery of the jury, right? But the game warden says that they're not his peers, <laughs> and he opens the door and he brings in like a whole bunch of pigs <laughs> and the warden picks one up and the pig squeals, and then the warden declares Adrian Veidt guilty. And then all of the Phillips and Cruikshanks start chanting, guilty, 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 mm-hmm. at like, Adrian Veidt. So what did you think of this descent into Ozymandias land?
0: <laughs> well, number one, I don't know how the trial had to last so long. if We learned that the only side that seems to be speaking is the prosecutor. Right. <laughs> which is kind of weird. But yeah, I, I don't know what to feel about this because... Was it me? Was he crying at the end of it? He (laughs) was crying. I think there was a tear rolling down. Yeah, rolling down. So, like, is he starting to feel remorse? Like, is he learning some kind of lesson? I don't know. Maybe. Like, Um. and then he purposely is not saying anything, right? He doesn't want the trial to last any longer than he wants it to, right? Because he, or else he would try to extend it as long as he wants by pleading his case. So, does he have a plan already to escape? I have no idea. All I know is that I'm getting a little antsy
1: with this kind of stuff. Yeah, we know um, it's almost done. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, I'm not a huge fan of fart humor. I know mm. a lot of people think mm. farts are always funny, but I don't know. It's such low hanging fruit. I'm like,
0: yeah,
1: doesn't seem very ozymandias Like, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But
0: this was a lot of exposition. A lot. You know, it's a lot of things basically telling us what we've already known. And if if it wasn't clear, it's clear now. I I don't know if we really learned anything, right? No,
1: I don't think we really learned anything.
0: Probably if I were to rate it, uh, it's probably not my favorite little side of Adrian. I do find it weird. Is it it his choice to wear his costume or do they make him wear his costume? (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah. so His his costume design is pretty cool. It's...
1: Very graphic novel accurate, I think. Yes, mm-hmm. and they make it look really good. It doesn't look yeah. silly, Too cheesy.
0: At all. Yeah, it doesn't look cheesy like uh, it might yeah. if you were to yeah. adapt the comic. And didn't really like this adventure into. It <laughs> was it was fine. Um, we style. just didn't learn anything. And then yeah. we got yeah. another little transition where
1: it's Adrian White's face, and then it transitions into the statue in the Millennium Clock of him. I read a crazy theory that he's actually in the statue. <laughs> yes, um, he's in the statue. They they keep showing that. I mean, don't laugh. We brought up crazier theories than this, and they turned out to be true, right? That is um, true.
0: We see that uh, Angela has kind of left her room and is uh-huh. trying to follow this tube that she's connected to, right, that's connected to her arm, down to another room, and she tries to go in the room and, and like kind of... Is denied and we find that Lady True's right there and she she asks, "Oh, are you hungry?" And, and the scene kind of moves along and they're sitting at this table and they're they're in the background, they're kind of blurry. But then we see this kind of uh, a couple different items on the table and the, the one, of course, that I I think most people notice is there's a plate of squid. Right? Mm-hmm. Angela asks, "You know why is Lady True there?" And she says right. that she's there to save humanity and it starts in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lady True then asks Angela. You know why is Angela there? Angela says that her and Cal were tired of Saigon and Tulsapedia was hiring. And then Lady True says that they were looking to start over after his accident. It was a car crash, right? So she knows about this accident that uh, Cal had. And we, we learned a couple episodes ago that it's something that they've been trying to hide as much as they can, right? Because it was also brought up when uh, we first kind of meet Lori and then Cal's like, you know, you didn't tell her about the accident. Right. Or, or sorry, I think Angela asked like, Oh, did you tell her about the accident? And so I think it's something Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, they don't want people to know, but it's something that lady true has figured out for herself. Right. And lady true says that she's, you know, she's done a ton of research on memory and that total amnesia is extremely rare. She says that, you know, that's something Mm -hmm. that happens in movies or we think that it happens, but it rarely happens or it like never happens in real life. And Angela says it happened. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what we, we, we learn now. Cal has a condition that she, I guess he's... There's a point where he totally lost his memory, right? I guess that's mm-hmm. what it implies and that's what we learn. Right. Yeah. Complete amnesia. Uh, Angela asks, you know, how does she know about Cal? Lady True says that Will told her. And then Angela again wants to see Will... And Lady True again says that it would be a bad idea to see him. <laughs> and, and it's, it's uh, Lady True, it's funny because she also mentions that Will did not expect her to take, like, all the pills at once, uh, thinking that, you know, maybe she'll take, take one at all a right. time because, you know, uh, Lady True says nostalgia is tolerable in small doses. And then Angela kind of jabs back, right, and asks, uh, whose nostalgia is Lady True's daughter tolerating? And Lady True says, well, mm-hmm. her own. And she admits or she now confesses and we learn that it's not her daughter, but it's her mother. Beyond is not not, her her daughter, which we learned last week in the PDP files, right? Beyond was the name of her mother, and so this is like literally a clone of her mother. Right. So we
1: didn't know, like we thought that maybe oh, she might have named her daughter after her mother, but we speculated that she might have been a clone of her mother and and
0: now we're We're confirmed that this is the case. Lady True's been saying that she's been kind of feeding her memories, her mother's memories back to her so that she kind of remembers who she was. And Lady Uh True says it's it's about, you know, she's about to achieve her life's work and wants her parents there. Angela asks asks if her dad Mm -hmm. is there too. Lady True says he will be. Angela wants to know, you know, what the clock does. (laughs) Lady True just says no. Right, <laughs> and then yeah. the woman over the PA system uh, now says that the f- you know four hours until the clock is activated, and Lady Chu's invocation is for all the employees' ears only. What do you make of the father? Well, she says that he's already he's going yeah. to be there, right? So
1: it's Adrian Veidt in his statue <laughs> form. I mean, do you think? Do you think Do you think her dad know, is Adrian? It, it could be. If, i mean who right? else could it that's be that's like i'm thinking that too and with all this uh workup about adrian veidt escaping to somewhere and then you pair that with lady true saying that he's going to be there right who else is on a journey like that where they're trying to get from one place to another only adrian veidt seems to be so, a
0: logical choice for that
1: who knows we can't confirm nor deny, right? We don't, we don't know. All I can say is that she doesn't really look half Asian, so who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we'll have to suspend our disbelief on on that part.
0: <laughs> uh, could it somehow be Doctor Manhattan? I don't know. Yeah, just because those are like two people that I just think uh, in my head, like one, either one of these could be. Because those, right. those are the only kind of two players right. that we have left.
1: Because we had, we also had a theory that, oh, maybe she's the comedian's yeah. daughter or something. But I don't see them bringing Edward yeah. Blake back for for this show. So I think there's only one real yeah. candidate. Yeah. So it transitions into uh, Lori. She wakes up and she's all tied up in an abandoned department store. the the one The same one that Looking Glass was investigating in the previous episode. Well, the episode before that, and it looks like the seven K are constructing the rest of their teleportation device in front of her, and there's a gigantic Cyclops icon yep. behind her. So, like, if it wasn't clear before, yeah. it is now that uh, the seven K is either an offshoot of or like a modern day version of of Cyclops. And this is when Senator Keen comes in to give her a little talking mm-hmm. to, and. Laurie doesn't want to hear any of it. And she says she doesn't want to hear about whatever his stupid plan is. And <laughs> she says, let me guess when you're a little boy, your daddy put you on your knee and told you that you were born into the order of the Cyclops and that you are <laughs> destined to become the most powerful racist fuck in the nation. Uh, They continue talking and Keen responds that Cyclops isn't racist and that they're only looking to restore balance to the country. And, it's really difficult to be a white man in America, which is, I think, what I think all racists say, <laughs> yeah. right? He's like, it's difficult to become up to be a white man in America, so he's going to try and become a mm-hmm. blue one. Here, their plan is finally revealed. They're going to trap Doctor Manhattan and kill him and steal his power, or at least Joe is. So this is what Jane was talking about earlier in the confrontation at the Crawford House, where she said that the infiltration of the police and the masks were the original
0: plan, but this is their real end game now. He says to kind of imagine someone with our ideals, with the power of Dr. Manhattan, basically.
1: I don't know. Like, how do you kill Dr. Manhattan? Yeah, right? I was... Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know how...
1: Great, Greater minds have tried and... And completely failed. Theoretically, the greatest
0: mind has tried and failed.
1: Right. If you're not familiar with the graphic novel, when the heroes are confronting Adrian Veidt at his, his fortress, he tries to kill Dr. Manhattan by essentially reversing the accident that created him. Dr. Manhattan was created by an accident in an intrinsic field generator. So, like... Adrian Veidt created this intrinsic field subtractor and he tries to vaporize Dr. Manhattan and it looks like it works, right? But then he shows up, he's like a gigantic Dr. Manhattan and he like comes crashing through the window and he was like, don't you know that the first thing I learned was like how to reconstitute myself after like my intrinsic field was was Mm -hmm. removed or whatever. So like, I don't know how some dumb racist senator is gonna like figure out a way to kill dr manhattan when adrian veidt couldn't even do it so we'll see i mean they're building this device this teleportation device so
0: so okay some interesting things that i saw in this scene one they have these boxes stacked up or whatever the frame is so it looks like it's the same thing that lg pulled out from underneath the truck Underneath the uh-huh. the lettuce, two episodes ago, uh-huh. and what's interesting is that it looks like there's a letter T on it. Well, it's a true industry, yes. as well. so and we, I think um, yeah, a couple episodes ago, um, you know, our Twitter friend <laughs> Ahmad uh, pointed that out too. So yeah, that is a true industries box. Yeah, this begs the question: It doesn't seem like they've stolen these boxes, right? Are they being fed these boxes? What makes you think that they aren't stolen? Just Because because... the show hasn't really ever mentioned, like, stolen property from True Industries. Like, I would think that it would be, if it was a point that they are, you know, stealing tech from True, that the show... They would have shown, like at least part of yeah. the heist or something. It seems like you know these trucks with lettuce are, are transport trucks, right? So it's just a way to hide right. these objects. As always, yeah. though, they are freely getting these objects to be transported from one place to another. Right. This goes into, now, my, I guess, new theory? <laughs> I don't know if it's a new theory, but it actually goes back to what you brought up a couple episodes ago. You mm-hmm. thought the Millennium Clock might be a weapon to use against dr manhattan that right might like i guess side theory or second theory is that maybe lady true is our true villain she totally acts like a villain right because
1: she's like this maniacal trillionaire she has all these resources she's very similar to adrian veidt in terms of her visions of grandeur and her mysterious projects and things she's she's got super villainous vibes right but i don't know i mean like later in the episode she says that her and will are working together to prevent the 7k plan from stealing dr Manhattan's power yeah you know right? what let,
0: let's get into this theory a little bit later yeah so we, i think we need to yeah, get to the end I before so. we actually talk about this so let's let's table this for for yeah. now and then we'll, we'll we'll come back to this
1: yeah <laughs> All right, we'll come back so um uh,
0: the last thing i wanted to mention about this scene is that i guess we've been hinted about this right uh, you know the when we were at the cemetery and then we the news reporter asking joe Keane, like what about the russians who are building their own intrinsic field generator. it's almost like it was hinting like right this is a possibility this is something that we've been trying to do and i guess the seventh k themselves are trying to recreate i just want to see like a failed version of this intrinsic field generator and
1: someone like stepping into it and they just get instantly vaporized and killed <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh iron man 2 where Justin Hammer, he's got like his own version of the the Iron Man suit, and the guy's like and stepping like, totally in it, and uh, like him. totally yeah. it twists around, <laughs> and it like
0: breaks his back. I like to, um, I like to, that's kind of, and like, then he's like, I like to say that that man yeah. fully recovered from his injury. Right, yeah.
1: right. I don't think anyone can re- recover from a intrinsic
0: field generator accident, but. Let's move into the next scene. So, lady, lady, is giving her message right yeah. here—the invocation that they were talking about earlier. Uh-huh. She mentions, you know, she graduated from MIT, and then four years later, she bought it. Uh, she says at 24, she had revolutionized the fields of medicine, energy, and nanotech. At 30, she designed and launched the f- the first uh, microfusion spacecraft. So, there's some hints uh-huh. there, right, that she's able to space travel. You know, take that as as we may, but she does mention failures, right? And nostalgia being one of those that she right. gave it to people so that they could evolve and transform and learn to better themselves. Those are very uh-huh. specific words, right? To evolve and transform. Uh-huh. Instead, they, he said, you know, they became fixated on the, the painful memories and they were choosing to experience their worst memories of their lives. So uh, it should also be noted that right. Angela is able to kind of see this speech, I guess, from her bed, right? Because it looks like it's playing on some one of the, like a screen or like it looks like it's playing on the glass, right? That she like over her room, yeah. Yeah. And then we we see um, Angela kind of go to what she thinks is Will's door, and she's kind mm-hmm. of like banging at the door. She's screaming at the door. She wants to know why Will wanted her to take the pills. And, you know, she grabs this object and like smashes the, you know, the console and it it opens, the door opens. But when she goes in the room, Will is not there. And, you know, we talked about this earlier a little bit or hinted at it earlier. It's an elephant lying on the ground, hooked up to the same machine. Right. Yeah. I was thoroughly confused. I feel like this was just
1: weird for being weird's sake. It was I don't think this was really necessary. It just doesn't really make that much sense, I guess, so apparently, like the natural host that you're hooked up to when you're recovering from a nostalgia trip isn't the person that you took the memories from It's an elephant that's how you recover. I don't know. I guess there's some saying about how elephants never forget, so maybe that's yeah something to do with it i don't know man this was this was weird <laughs> even for watching yeah I think. but i think it just goes with the elephant motif yep. of lady true because you know when she showed up at the clark house she had this big goblet that had the mm-hmm. elephants on it you know even the the true industries logo is a is an elephant oh. the t oh. if you look at it it's got like the ears the trunk oh. And it's got two little things coming out the side. It's
0: like it's like the tusks. There's a clear like elephant Yeah, there's motif. definitely an elephant motif. Yeah, going and on there's, here. A, there's a lot of it in, yeah. in the rooms that she's walking, you know, in true industry. So yeah, there's definitely an elephant motif. I just yeah I was kind of confused with why why an elephant. I have no idea. I feel like this was
1: unnecessary, kind of. You were like in the end game, right? It would been fine if the whole room was just empty, and there was nothing in there. And I feel like to put the elephant in
0: there is just I don't know. But she, she, so Angela does pull the cord out, and it says, you know, so there's a warning: like subject is is disconnected, right? And it it knocks her out, right. and she jumps into a another memory.
1: Yeah, another uh, Angela flashback. So she's in her orphanage when a woman, uh, a black woman, comes and visits her, and she says that she's her grandma and that she's there to take her home. And this goes back to the last episode where there's a flash at the end of the episode where it's an elderly black woman and we assumed that it was June and we were wondering if we were going to see this older version mm-hmm. of her and, and we do. So it's June, Will's estranged wife, right? June takes Angela out of the orphanage she pokes a little fun at the the lady mean <laughs> orphanage caretaker or whatever. And she takes Angela to get some food at a diner, which is what was it? It's like a burgers and borscht yeah. place. So this is kind of like a reference to the tentative peace that was created between the United States and the Soviet Union, right? Um, they settled their differences and and fought the giant squid monster together, so there was no real repercussions to the Cold War. So this is the end result of the American and Russian peace where you have fast food chains called burgers and borscht. June tells Angela that her dad wanted to come to Vietnam to put on a uniform and come here and fight during the Vietnam War. But June said that she would never speak to him again if he did. But he did so anyway, and that he was a stubborn man, right? And or later on, she writes him a letter and it bounced back because he died in the terrorist attack at the start Mm -hmm. of the episode. And she was never notified of his death because she was never listed as next of kin. She says that her son probably just didn't want anything to do with her. And that's when June found out about her son's death and his wife's death as well. And that's when he, she came to find Angela in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Right. And Angela shows, Her grandmother, her sister night videotape, and she tells her that her dad never allowed her to watch it, saying that she should be scared of people in masks. And June replies that it's only because someone in a mask scared him once, uh, which is a clear reference to Will coming home, that one day finding his son dressed up as Hooded Justice. That's another interesting little callback.
0: So this was the scene that I was kind of mentioning earlier Uh that I felt like this flash was unnecessary, right? It's something that we we just saw in last week's episode, and like I get it, I get the connection. Like you didn't need to show me something I just saw last week. I don't really feel that way. Mm-hmm. I
1: think it's just another one of those memory things where it's another one of Will's memories playing. But I don't
0: know. Maybe you're right. Maybe they didn't need to show this. But I was I was fine with it. I guess for me, I was I was a little bit less enamored by all the flashes this week. Because I, I think there was just a lot. There was just a, a lot. And I think less is more, in, in my opinion, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done it. I'm uh, just saying that I think at this point, like, there's certain ones I think you can rely on the audience to kind of remember and make yeah. the connections themselves. And this, for me, was one of them. But I, I understand, like, some people you know you include yeah. yourself you know fine with it and
1: you know what's interesting i thought that it was the same actress playing june just with old mm-hmm. lady makeup but it's a different actress oh they found someone who looks just like june yeah so that was that was a crazy fact that i i found out about it's <laughs> it's pretty interesting uh pretty good casting so It cuts to the two of them. They're about to leave for Tulsa, right? Uh, June says that she's going to take Angela back. And June is packing her bags in the trunk. And suddenly there's like a commotion. You don't know what's going on. Angela steps out of the car to check. And June's lying on the ground and she's dead. She died of a heart attack. I mean, man, this show was dark. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it didn't come from nowhere. Because June said earlier that she had like a minor heart attack while they're in the restaurant, Mm -hmm. right? but that it was nothing and she recovered fully from it. But later, that's what she she yeah. dies of, right?
0: Yeah. A couple things. So going back to the, the Burgers and Borscht thing, uh, so that's actually yeah. from the comics. So th- there's, a, I think there's like a cell where we see the guy who finds Rorschach's journal at the end of the, the comic. Yeah, the new frontiersman yeah. Uh Yeah, and he, he walks by a, a Burgers and Borscht. So, uh, so it's kind of cool that Funny because I I was reading an article like downtown Tulsa in the show is actually, I think, downtown Atlanta or it's like a real city in the U.S. And they don't hide any of the like storefronts. Those are all real places in in our real world. Oh, okay, Which is really interesting. But then they also transplant these like fake, you know, or not fake, but you know, uh stores from the actual comic also. So it's kind of weird to kind of blend between our world and, and the comic world. I think we would do that a lot in yeah. various
1: aspects of yeah. the show, right? It's like a remix
0: of our world and their world. Uh another thing I, I found really interesting was kind of Angela's comment about why she likes the video, right? The sister night video, because she says, mm. you know, it looks like me. And I think that's very right. poignant like now. Especially because of a lot of Mm. what we talk about, like representation, we talk about superhero properties kind of being less, uh, quote unquote, whitewashed. And now actually having like Hispanic heroes, African-American heroes, like Asian heroes, right, that, you know, look like us so that Mm. they represent us and it makes it feel like we're included. And I think that that was a very kind of pointed line towards that. But yeah, it's, yeah, but you're right. This scene is totally messed up because you think like, oh, Angela's going to get out of this. She's going to like be able to escape. Because I was confused at first. I'm like, wait, she grew up in 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 Vietnam and Vietnam, she never, right. made, she it never made it to, until later. It to Tulsa and until, then, later. until later. I was like, what? What, yeah, is, yeah. what happened? And then, oh, <laughs> her grandma <died>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, which uh, I was
0: like, ah, it sucks. sucks. (laughs) (laughs) She cannot, this little girl, little Angela cannot catch a break. She can't catch a break. Adult Angela can't catch a break here. We see Angela uh, wake up from this memory. And um, so she, you know, she's cordless now, right? Tubeless. And uh, she's kind of roaming around the facility. Mm -hmm. She gets into this elevator and she pushes the button for level zero. When she gets down there, the mm-hmm. door behind her opens, and then she, we kind of see this hallway, and at the end of the hallway is this pitch-black room, right, with the mm-hmm. blue globe, I guess, kind of sitting in it. And yeah. when she kind of approaches the globe and then she touches the globe, we see this video of this uh, what looks like a Hispanic lady kind of in one of those Dr. Manhattan booths, right? The one that we saw Lori in mm-hmm. um, telling her joke, right, in in the third episode. And then she kind of starts touching various locations. And uh, I think one was um, a man speaking Islamic. And then the next one she touches is Lori. So what it tells Mm -hmm. us is that these aren't live. These are recordings.
1: Right. So I think this implies that all of these messages that are supposedly going to Dr. Manhattan, they're coming
0: to true industries. And I remember we talked about, I think I mentioned like, well, if we know that, True is the one who manufactures these. She could be eavesdropping, and she totally is. And she actually is. Yeah, she totally is. So the coincidence of her dropping this car right in front of Laurie seems less like a coincidence now. And then we, you know, Lady True kind of um, enters the scene and says that, you know, there's so many prayers unanswered. They go unanswered because he isn't listening, right? Dr. Mahan isn't listening, Mm -hmm. and he isn't, not Mars, so, Lady True knows mm-hmm. about. I, I'm assuming Lady True knows about Cal.
1: Yeah, because she already she already mentioned like, oh, uh, true amnesia, like total amnesia rare. is very, like very hinting rare. At something there, right? Yeah. So
0: she's definitely hinting at the true nature of Angela's yeah. husband. And right? then you know, Lady True says that you know he's right here in Tulsa pretending to be human. Angela asks, are you the one that put the idea in my grandfather's head? And Lady True says no that no, he was the one that put it in hers. Again, Angela wants to Mm -hmm. know how she knows her grandfather. And Lady True says that he needed someone with her resources to stop the 7th K. And the 7th K are planning to capture Mm -hmm. Dr. Manhattan and that they're planning to destroy him and then they are going to become him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Angela's like, freaking out and then she's trying to get away and she's walking away and lady true says you didn't ask me who he is basically applying that well you know who he is okay so yeah we know that Cal is dr manhattan and we know that lady true knows that Cal is dr manhattan Uh and it almost seems like lady true wants angela to bring out dr manhattan doesn't it It seems like it. I'm not sure. It could
1: be pointing in that Mm -hmm. direction. So, like, my theory is that there's a quid pro quo between Will and Lady True, right? Will's gonna do something for Lady True. Lady True's gonna do something Mm -hmm. for Will. So, Will wants to stop the Cyclops attack, right? Whatever they're planning which is to capture and kill Dr. Manhattan and make Senator Joe King a new superhuman. Mm-hmm. But I think when they're done with stopping the 7K or the Cyclops conspiracy, that Lady True wants her revenge on Dr. Manhattan. Still for like the colonization of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what this is. I mean, I'm not sure but it seems like that could be the direction this is taking.
0: Yeah, because it does then put or brings to light what Will said a couple episodes ago when he, you know, we it's revealed that they're working uh-huh. together that in 3 days, you know, Angela's going to hate him. And now we know oh. that Angela is in love with Dr. Manhattan, so a good way to make someone hate right. you is to kill the one that they love. It's kind of like Adrian, right? In, in the comics, you know, we, we the, for a long time, you know, for the majority of the comic, we believe he's the hero. And it seems like they're setting up Lady True to be the quote unquote mm-hmm. hero. And I'm just trying to, f- I, I just had this feeling that at the end she's going to be the. Yeah. Well, I mean, she says
1: that they're like simpatico and wanting to stop the seven K, but she doesn't mm-hmm. want to mention that she's got it in for Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm.
0: So, let's move, I guess, into final scene. So it
1: then cuts to Angela and Cal's house, right? Cal, he finds Angela rummaging through the kitchen. He's really confused as to what's going on. And Angela says, I need you to stop talking. You're a great husband. You're an amazing father and the best friend I ever had. I love you. And then she says, time to come out of the tunnel. And it cuts to her holding a hammer, right? and Mm -hmm. cal's even more confused and angela goes don't be scared we always knew this day would come you know what i'm talking about you just don't remember and cal wonders if it's his amnesia from his accident and then angela reveals that there was never an accident right and she says that it was a lie Mm -hmm. and a lie so that they could be together and that the whole thing was his idea and cal says that she's been messed with and she's not herself and angela says with the big reveal of episode, no, John, you're not yourself. So she calls him by his real name, John Osterman, right? Which is uh, Dr. Manhattan's real name. And she bashes him in the head with a hammer and his skull is smashed open, right? And she digs into Cal's skull and she pulls out this little doohickey shaped like Dr. Manhattan's uh, little forehead logo. It's like the Adam logo. So, yeah. And that's the end of the episode.
0: (laughs) She's like over his dead body. Right. And we we do see this blue hue. Yeah. There's like a blue glow. So it looks like it works. Like she's going to bring Dr. Manhattan back
1: um, and restore his memories. Yeah. And then she says, hey, baby. Yeah. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. That's the final line.
0: And one thing to note is that when she's going home, we do see 7K members, I guess, already camped yeah. outside her, yeah. her house. It's it's almost like they know, right? It's, it's, it's also yeah. suspicious to me that it's like they're right. waiting for this moment. Yeah, like they could have taken Cal right. already. But it's almost like they're waiting for Angela to get home to do what she needs to do before they invade. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it all just seems too convenient, or it just seems a little too suspicious. So we'll see. I'm very curious to see what happens next episode. So, like another thing I want to clarify is that
1: Angela fell in love with Doctor Manhattan, not Cal, right? Mm-hmm. She fell in love with Doctor Manhattan when he was in his original superhuman form, you know, blue blue guy mm-hmm. and all, right? And they did this i guess dr manhattan erased his own memory to be with angela so that's something that i wanted to clarify yeah it's it's super interesting i don't know what this says about like damon lindelof's messaging because john osterman's a jewish man right he's like a jewish son of a watchmaker he becomes a superhuman and then he erases his memory, and now he's a black man in America. So, like, this is what I want to talk about a little bit. Like, the way the series is structured. I think I'm too far down. I think both of us are we are a little too far down the rabbit hole in terms of, like, our weekly research and analysis to be, like, an impartial judge for the show anymore. But I'm genuinely curious mm. about, like, what people think about the messaging
0: on this show is... Okay, I I'm very curious about because we still haven't seen him. Yeah, we haven't seen. Uh, if you've seen the uh, or next week's preview, he it's when he picks up the mask, uh-huh. right? I guess when he first interacts with Angela, he has uh-huh. that mask on, so we still don't know what he looks like underneath. But he right. still sounds like Cal, right? He still sounds like it, Yaya, yeah, yeah Mateen. Let's abdul yeah. Mateen. So that's also very curious. Yeah. Then. Is he gonna look like him still, or is he gonna look like a white Jewish man? Because that's what Doctor Manhattan still looked like after the Intrinsic Field Generator. He still looked like him, but right, he was right. blue. So I'm very curious to see if it's gonna look like a white man with I don't know, you know, yeah, yeah, his voice. I don't know.
1: Like Damon Lindelof, he's walked this tightrope about race quite deftly so far, but we don't know how he's gonna handle this. I think he's walking a very delicate. Uh, line here and i don't know if he's gonna pull this off so like another thing i want to talk about is like i kind of had a an offline discussion with amir you know our co-host from uh the second episode and he brought up a couple of good points like what is the message of this show right what is it actually wanting to Mm -hmm. talk about because the original graphic novel has this really interesting Through line of how being a superhero in the real world would be completely fucked up, and like how superheroes are bad, right? And this is an argument you can take both ways, but like what's the new argument that we're talking about here with Damon Lindelof's Watchmen, right? Is it just that racism is bad? That seems pretty uh, reductive, if you want to call it that, right? So, like, what's he trying to say? We still don't really know.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can really formulate any kind of hypothesis probably until the show is done. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the end result is. Especially, you know, it would be interesting to to maybe have that discussion with Amir. Right. I, I agree that the comic has a clear message, and I've also kind of been looking, like, I've been trying to figure out what that message was, and, and I think it, when it first premiered and and all the episodes kind of leading up to this it was about race and some you know i I imagine it was going to be some kind of message about race right it's clearly about race but we don't know what he's trying
1: to say and i think like the theorizing and like all the little easter eggs is kind of hidden the fact that we don't really know what he's trying to say yet
0: i don't know we still have two episodes left so there's a lot a lot left to uncover i think so yeah, some unanswered questions that I still have, right? How does Adrian play into this still? Right? Cuz uh, Damon Lindlof has said that all these storylines right. will collide. That Adrian at some point will right. play into this. And I also think he had a re- he had a, a recent interview with I think the Hollywood Reporter where he he says he said that a lot of the characters he's chosen um we're in service of Mm -hmm. Angela's story right that this is this whole series is about Angela's story so I'm curious to see how Adrian plays into her story and then we still don't know what fell out of the sky right Onto that yeah we don't know yeah so I think those are two big things that are still kind of unanswered that I think Mm -hmm. hopefully will all all tie together I mean at first I thought maybe it was Adrian that fell out of the sky and then she's you know, it's it's playing with time, right? He's already back on Right, Earth. like
1: all of the Adrian Vite scenes take place before the entirety of Angela's story. I still think that's probably
0: true. Yeah, but then if we think that Adrian is her father, then she wouldn't have said the line, well, he'll be here later, right? Then it wouldn't have been... Already implied that he is here. Well, unless he's frozen in that statue. <laughs> I keep going to that, and then she's
1: gonna, un- uh, and then he'll be actually, quote unquote, here, right?
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's getting so close. It's getting so close, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that there haven't been like too many other big questions. And that we are getting a lot of answers. And I think oh also who's Lube Man? Yeah, we don't know who we Lube gotta know Man who Lube, is, Lube Man is. <laughs> <laughs> if they never answer that, I'm gonna be so yeah. upset. <laughs> um, did you want to mention anything from the PDPDR?
1: The report about Cal. It's like the after accident report. It's actually quite interesting. So this is the actually the first instance of Cal existing, right? Because he didn't exist before this. Um so this is like his creation and another thing that you can take from this is that the name they made up for him right because he took Angela's last name abar so he's calvin abar but on this accident report it says his name is calvin jelani and jelani means great and powerful in swahili oh. uh, the other part is like his first name calvin Calvin means bald. That's the origin of the word Calvin. Yeah, so bald and powerful. So another (laughs) uh, allusion to Dr. Manhattan, right? Mm
0: -hmm, That has a mm -hmm.
1: Latin origin. So really interesting there. There are a ton of these little uh, hints to Cal's real identity. Yeah. Someone on Twitter actually mentioned another one where she said that a caliber is a term that people use in horology, which is the study of time and, and like watches. And it's a part of a watch. So, you know, Cal, a bar, right? Cal. And then you can couple that with like the, the episode title of the next episode, which is a God walks into a bar. (laughs) I don't know. Damon Lindelof's playing lots of games here. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: But yeah, I think that will uh, conclude this week's episode. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, where can people find you?
1: Uh, yeah, you can find me on Strange Harbors. It's my blog that I write about for film, uh, television, pop culture, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. Uh, what about you, Derek?
0: Uh, well, you can find me at uh, the wrong dayk. is day, spelled day, D-A-Y-I-K, and that's for Instagram and Twitter. I also host another podcast called the Film Trailers Podcast, where we talk about the latest film and film trailers. Uh-huh. Uh, but you can find this podcast on all the major podcast platforms, Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and what would really help us, you know, to get our podcast out to more people would definitely be if uh, you would leave us a rating, uh, especially on uh, Apple podcast, but also uh, subscribing right to our podcast and, and kind of tuning in each week. It's, it's, it's just a, a small way to, you know, help support us and help kind of get our podcast out to more people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you have any uh, questions or comments, you can email us at uh, who watches the podcast at gmail.com. Um, we love it. We we love getting kind of reactions from, from the people that seem to love this show as much as us. So definitely keep it coming. Yeah, two
1: episodes left. So uh, we'll see you guys next week.